Roger Berkowitz. I'm Larry Golko, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. Joining us on this segment of Name Brands is a name most listeners aren't familiar with, but have certainly been touched by his vision and entrepreneurship when it comes to radio, sports, and the media. He's Jeffrey Smullyan, the man behind a media enterprise known as Emmis Broadcasting, a company of, of radio stations spanning the U.S. And if you're a sports buff, you owe a lot to Jeffrey Smullyan, as he's credited with pioneering the concept of an all-sports radio station by establishing WFAN in New York back in 1986. That focus on the sports radio genre has manifested itself in every major market across the U.S., since its inception in 1996, Jeffrey has always appeared on the top 40's most powerful people in radio. He is a lawyer by education, and in his spare time, he once owned the Seattle Mariners. Jeffrey, a pleasure to have you with us. My pleasure. Thanks. Good. So what was it that drove you into the, the radio business? You know, was it, was it Marshall McLuhan's The Media is the Message, or what? Well, you know, I, I grew up listening to radio as a kid. I was a big baseball fan. I used to listen to uh, uh, the Giants games around the country. Uh, I loved rock radio. And it was always my hobby, always my passion. And when I went away to school, I specialized in it. And um, always, uh, I'm one of those bizarre people who always knew I wanted to start my own company. And uh, so here we are. Mm. Hey, Jeff, you know, it's interesting. I know that you love Willie Mays and the Giants. Did you have an aspiration years ago to someday create a media company that would a radio station that would be the official station of the San Francisco Giants? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so did you aspire yeah, yeah. to, and it's interesting, Jimmy Kimmel, Ryan Seacrest, Roger, others got their start in radio. Mm-hmm. Just like on TV today, you see a lot of actors got their start in Broadway. So, Jeff, did you aspire to be in the media business, or did you also at one time want to be an on-air personality? Well, I, I always wanted to be in the business. I, I dabbled in on-air work. The first radio station I ever ran, I would do talk shows, sports talk and fill in general talk. Uh, we joked the guy I used to fill in for when I ran the station was David Letterman. Hmm. Uh, David was my first midday guy. Um, always loved it. I always thought it was fun. But just the idea of starting a company and building it um, was what really motivated me. And when I, when I went to law school, I was going to get a master's um, in telecom and somebody said, go to law school and study broadcast law and you'll be an instant expert. I, I laugh in those days, nobody suggested going to business school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so I got a law degree. Um, I always say I, I, you know, paid bar association dues for 40 years and, but I've always loved what I've done. You know, uh, uh media, radio, radio in particular, you would know perhaps better than anyone else. Uh, like many businesses, is going through, an, I think, an identity crisis. Uh, is this a disruption caused by millennials or uh, the habits of the general public changing? Well, I think it's a lot of things. Massive fragmentation. Uh, the industry has really been, you know, I always say you, you never want to be replaced by another business, but what's worse is being replaced by a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, Jeff, just piggybacking on what Roger mentioned, I researched some radio facts and figures, and I think there really is, if you want to call it a misperception, Roger, what's happening in the radio business today, because I, I got some research from the Pew Research Center, and it says radio is the leading reach platform. 93% of us listen to AM, FM radio over the airwaves, and as Roger just mentioned, you know, 95% of millennials are reached by radio. 
uh, 97% of Generation X are reached by radio every month, and almost 100% of boom is reached by radio. So what's the misperception that people think that radio is going by the wayside when the facts justify it's a very, very powerful reach? Well, I think what's happened is there's so much competition. Uh, Sirius XM and um, Spotify, Pandora, um, Apple Music. So all these things, and yet radio really is, is dominant in the automobile. Um, our biggest problem is that time spent listening has gone down a bit. So while we still have the massive reach, they don't listen as long. Um, and they're, and they're, you know, their lives are fragmented. So they may be doing, you know, they may be listening uh, to Pandora or Sirius XM or listening to music on, on you know, on their Alexa. Um, but the reality is the radio industry still captures a staggering amount of the population every week, as you said. Mm. So, so you know, well, let me ask you a question, because radio is certainly a business and revenues are generated through advertising. Um, let's say, as an example, let's take the Chicago market. And let's say you wanted, or I wanted, or Larry wanted to launch a new product, and we had a million dollars to spend. Where would you suggest dividing it up between radio, TV, and potentially online? How would you make that decision if you were in our shoes or your own? I would tell you to spend a hundred cents on the dollar in radio. <laughs> okay, now, now, okay. So now, uh, someone like myself who's in business who doesn't completely understand it is—is is that really you know the best bet for me to do? I don't know. I'm, I'm being facetious. First, you got to understand who you want to reach. Mm -hmm. Want to understand the best way to reach them. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there's a digital component. Um, obviously, you know TV. But if it's a million dollars, you may not have them enough money to spend in Chicago to get enough reach and frequency. So it really depends on who you're trying to reach, how many times a week you want to reach them. Um, the one thing I will say about broadcasting is that it really does have remarkable impact. You know, I go back to the old, the old story about when, when cigarettes were banned from, uh, from the airwaves. And, you know, the, the, the story was that 15 years later, they asked, consumers, what's the Winston slogan? And 95% and said Winston tastes good like a cigarette should, because that audio had locked in their minds. When Winston, in the previous 15 years after they were off the airwaves, had used something like five slogans, but nobody re retained them because they were in print. So I think that the power of audio, the power of video, really does have a significant impact. So, um, you know, how would you allocate your million dollars? Um, you know, digital, TV, radio, it would really just depend on who you want to reach, how, how many times you want to reach them. You owned 11 radio stations. Um, what did you find were some of the biggest challenges you had growing a station? And also, were the different stations, different audiences, different uh, formats? How did you stay fresh and connected to ensure that your audiences, you know, were loyal to your stations? Well, I think, you know, and, and, and I should tell you that we have sort of drip, been drifting away from radio because the growth characteristics haven't been as great as we had, as we had seen in the past. But obviously, the, the, the answer was always finding the right niche. So the right niche for an AM station in New York in 1987 was all sports. Um, the right niche, you know, in, in Los Angeles was a hip-hop radio station or a rock station in St. Louis. You always want to find the best available niche and then execute your programming in a way 
that's most compelling to listeners. So really the customization right. uh, of your marketplace. Right, a different ones. So, so, so did you have any fondness? Like, it's almost like, you know, people love all the children. And, you know, Roger has around 35 different restaurants in his group. And I'm, I'm sure he loves all his children the same. But I was just kind of wondering that between, you know, the talk shows, the um, hip hop, the sports stations, were you fond or do you, you have a passion towards one market segment that you want to replicate? So if hip hop was doing great, you wanted to hopefully maybe – you know, do like 10 more stations on hip-hop versus having the diversity of different audiences and different formats? I think it really always depended on the niche. Uh, the old joke is the station you love the most is the one that's most successful, but right. <laughs> that causes you the less aggravation. <laughs> You're only as happy as your most miserable child, right? Whatever child is not aggravating you is your favorite. That's right. That's right. That's the way it usually works. Uh, you, you had mentioned, you know, Spotify and, and, and satellite radio and uh, which not. There was a new technology you were looking at at one time called Radio Next. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we I, I got selected by a group of broadcasters to sort of lead the industry effort to get the FM chip turned on in smartphones. Not many people understood that in every smartphone made in the world, there was an FM radio that was dormant. So we and, and what we wanted to do was was build around that and. Uh, and then what the NAB said is it's not enough to turn it on. We've got to have an ecosystem. So we built that. We had a lot of success with it. But the problem was it was really, really hard to get a unified industry to really, especially go to war with the apples of the world. Apple said, yeah, the chip's in there, but we're never turning it on. Mm, mm. And we, we, we spent a lot of money. I love the project, love the support we had in the industry. But, um, but we just said, look, it was too big a project for a company of our size and we hope that the industry will still focus on it because I think it's important. Um, radio's lost an awful lot of consumption outside of automobiles, and this was designed to sort of counteract that. Now you're leading Emmas through a transition period that you mentioned you want to kind of go from slower growth traditional media outlets to those businesses or those ventures or media opportunities with higher growth uh, profiles. What kind of new ventures are you looking at? And what media categories do you envision you want to be a big player in? Well, we're really looking not only at media, um, because media is challenging. We kind of have a saying in media that all the stuff that attracts capital doesn't make any money, like Spotify, which has a $29 billion market mm -hmm. cap, which is a billion and a half dollars a year. And all the traditional media that, that does make money um, has, has not seen great revenue growth. So we're really looking, we're casting our net a little wider. I, I promise we won't, we won't go into the, in, into the seafood restaurant business. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, well that's uh, casting a net, right? <laughs> <laughs> I picked that up, Larry. And, 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 so, and so what Jeff is really doing, he's testing out right. us on podcasts. Right. Are, are you testing, uh, looking at the podcast uh, uh, world, Jeffrey? Well, our, we actually do have a venture where we're working with companies um, that that is that are branding that want branding for their companies uh, and building content around that. Hmm. So we we brought in a group people who did the Trader Joe's campaign where companies say, look, sort of the new you know the new email system or the news newsletter system is a podcast. So what we're hmm. is creating content uh, to build that brand around. So that's something we're having fun with. It's, uh, um, and we think we would capitalize on our expertise of building content for people. You know, I, I was just thinking, um, 
you know, years ago in the 60s and, and, and 70s, do you remember pirate radio? Very well. So um, um, was that sort of a precursor, if you will, of satellite radio? I mean, obviously it was land-based versus, yeah. you know, versus, versus space. But yes. I, I always got a kick out of that. And you, you said you like rock growing up. I, I, I spent a little time over in Europe, and there was always this, this sort of uh, uh, offshore radio station. And I was always intrigued by that. Well, it's, it's interesting. Highway radio, of course, you know, I, I would be flippant and say, well, the difference is that, you know— you know, pirate radio was a bunch of guys on a boat, uh, and and they were sending a free signal out. And satellite radio is John Malone charging you fifteen dollars a month. So pirate radio was in response to sort of the overregulation of radio, especially in Britain, where the BBC controlled most content, and and kids couldn't get rock and roll. So the government wouldn't allow it, and there weren't many private radio stations. These guys set up. You know, they set up shop and and sent the content to the people that wanted it. So, Jeff, just going back to you mentioned earlier, which media platforms and which which media businesses do you feel are the ones that are really making money today? Well, it's it's interesting. Obviously, in video, um, you know, I mean, the, the local TV is doing well. The networks are doing well, uh, but there are challenges. Um, the radio industry has really not had uh, great growth. Um, I would say. You know, it, it's really been flat for the last eight or nine years. A uh, good year is up two and a bad year is down two. Um, the, the, as I said, the streaming services, Spotify, Pandora, uh, have really not made any money. And, and if you look at something like Apple Music, where Apple has basically said, we'll agree to a 73 cents on the dollar licensing deal, um, it's easy for Apple to do that because they never make money uh, in, in their streaming service, they don't care because their job is to collect data and sell devices. But the problem is for companies like Spotify or Pandora, uh, that sort of locks them into very, very high licensing fees, which almost guarantees it, when you pay 73 cents on the dollar for your music, before you have any other cost, you're guaranteed to lose money. Um, the one entity that's done very well is Spotify, I mean, excuse me, is Sirius XM. Um, now, I will tell you that that has been wildly profitable now, um, but when John Malone bought it, he basically bought it out of bankruptcy, uh, and they were able to flush $9 billion of debt down the drain. Um, I've always said, let me flush $9 billion. <laughs> Let, let's talk sports for a minute, um, uh, Jeff. You're a former baseball owner, and you're also deeply involved with the media. Uh what, in your opinion, needs to happen in baseball to enliven it a little bit, particularly with the millennial generation coming into the fold? Uh, it's a great question, and I can still remember my days of baseball. One of my favorite people was Bobby Brown. Bobby had been was president of the American League in those days. Um, and Bobby, if you remember, was a, a heart surgeon and was third baseman on those great Yankee teams and mm-hmm. Jogi Berra's roommate. And Bobby used to talk about the fact that we, we, we did too much to cater to TV. We changed the games to, to nighttime. Um, we put, we put you know, cameras, in, you know, on the bases. Uh, you know, we wired people for sounds. And I said, the problem is we're, we're trying to respond to where the world is going. And, I mean, even 20, 25 years ago, we talked about pitch clocks and uh, I remember one thing we said, why don't we put the speed of the pitch up on the on the scoreboard? 
And, you know, that was, oh, my God, you could never do that. Well, now they do it. Um, we, we inherited a franchise. We used to say, if you own the Red Sox, your marketing campaign said it's April the 5th, the season starts, buy your tickets. Um, but when you owned a team like the Mariners, which had never had a winning season, the message was, hey, guys, we really don't suck as much as you think. <laughs> but the challenge is, you know, for somebody in, in somebody who grew up, and one of my fondest memories as a kid is going to the ballpark with my dad. And in those days, you'd sit around and you'd debate who'd pinch hit and who'd come out of the bullpen. And it was a leisurely, wonderful bonding day. Um, and kids aren't that way today. They want constant action. The attention span of the American millennial is, you know, in nanoseconds. Right. And, and baseball clearly struggles and you can do certain things, but, but the game, I mean, make no mistake. It, it is, it is suffered because unless you're in a town where there's a pennant race, uh, that really does unite the community. Uh, you, you guys live in a place where, you know, every September, uh, you know, it, it, maybe not this year, but the Red Sox are in a pennant race and that really starts to touch a lot of lives, including young people. No, but I can share that with you that, you know, it's interesting that I think a few weeks ago, Roger, there was a game here in Boston uh, in 16 innings to spend six and a half hours sitting yeah. there until mm. 2.30 in the morning. I mean, like, you know, and my wife would say, put my eye out. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but, you know, going back to the sports um, uh, show, is it true that um, Don Imus was one of your first hosts on a all sports talk show? Well, actually, um, what's funny is when we when we put WFN on the air in 1987, we wanted Don. Don was at NBC at the time. Um, and it, so our first morning guy, interestingly enough, uh, was Greg Gumbel. Really? Uh, all right. So the first morning man for our first year. I love Greg, one of the great talents of all time. Uh, I, there are more people on this call today than listen to Greg his first year. Um, but... <laughs> There's three, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. And two have the Walkman on. <laughs> sticking with three, and I'm and I'm sticking with the statement. Yeah. Um, but you know, and then a year later, we bought NBC. Um, and and in those days, you couldn't keep two AM or two FM stations. So we sold the, the original fan, which was on 1050, and moved everything to 660, which had been WNBC. And inherit Imus. And I'll never forget, Don's agent was a guy named Mike Lynn. And Mike had, had been the agent for another legendary radio guy who we had hired in Los Angeles named Robert W. Morgan. And when we were talking about putting Imus on in mornings, so we said, we've got a failing radio station. We've got, we've got a baseball team, which has uh, one of the largest drug problems in America. If you remember the Dwight Gooden era. Right, right. Yeah. And, Yes. We have a morning man who has an even bigger drug problem. What <laughs> you cornered the market. <laughs> so we said, what the heck? And Don had just come out of rehab. And, um, and it, you know, lo and behold, it all clicked. And I love Don. Um, might, if, 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 this, you know, if we run out of questions, I might tell you some stories. But Don, uh, everything clicked. And uh, my favorite bit that Don had was that he always prided himself he really didn't focus on sports, although sports, they certainly did do, you know, did do sports, but mostly it was, you know, his general talk about I anything. remember a comment he made about the Rutgers women's football team oh, at yeah. one point, but go ahead. <laughs> that, was not, that was not John's wisest moment. Um, 
but 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 I could still remember his show would end every day at ten o'clock, and he would he had a, a liner recorded that said this ends the entertainment uh, portion of today's programming um, for the next twenty hours. Between 10 a.m. and 6 tomorrow morning, you'll hear mindless drivel. <laughs> um, Jeff, what is the future of content right now? As, as you, if you're looking at the landscape today, um, you know, you had mentioned you customize in certain markets right now. We see around here a, a ton of consolidation amongst radio stations. And, 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 you know, I mean, people get their content differently. I mean, I, I, I think of myself. I used to, you know, tune in. Uh, you know, all the time on the AM station to pick up, uh, you know, the you know the news, and, and, and now I'm just I'm, I'm more apt and really just to go online and pick stuff up, and unfortunately, some of this stuff is like you know artificial intelligence. Mm. Yeah, and it, it it's and it, it you live in a world where we are so fragmented, and people have so many options. You know, you, you talk about video, um, the big rage in video is cord cutting where. You know, people used to have their 175 channels or 475 channels from Comcast. And they said, my bill's $160 a month. Uh, I want to cut the cord and I'm going to buy Netflix and I'm going to buy DirecTV now and I'm going to buy Hulu. Um, and, and, and you have massive amount of mo- money spent. Somebody, I think I read that 15 years ago, the entire amount of content development cost in video was $5 billion a year. That was for all the networks, all the cable channels. And this year alone, Netflix is spending, I think it's 10 to $11 billion on their own. Wow. And they're not making any money yet. Um, only 20% of their viewing is on original content. So you sort of have a golden era of content, um, but there's so much of it out there, I'm not sure how much of it really makes money. Sports betting is now becoming a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it's been legislated across the board. Uh, good or bad for sports, professional sports as a former sports owner, in your opinion? And does that, well, how will that manifest itself out in media? Well, there's a number of impacts. I have to laugh that when, you know, when we talked about it, you know, when we were in baseball, the idea of any gambling on baseball obviously was, you know, the ultimate mortal sin. Mm-hmm. I think people have become cognizant of the fact that this is the way the world's going. And I have to laugh now. The leagues are saying, well, we don't hate it as much, but we want a percentage of every bet. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm not a gambler, but they tell me that when people are watching a ball game and they can bet on first downs and completed passes and all these things, that it will it will heighten awareness, and, and and as somebody who's well aware of fantasy football, um, I can tell you that it is clearly uh, heightened interest in the National Football. You know, I mean, what is it? Forty million people have fantasy football teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just saw the other day, Larry. You probably yeah. saw this as well. I'm sure you did, uh, Jeff. There was. I'm I'm trying to think where the stadium was, but they had gaming. Uh, and and the the two winners mm-hmm. split a, a three million dollar prize. Yeah. I, I it was it blew me away. Yeah, that that's esports. That's another phenomenon we're looking at. Uh, that is really the wild west where there are arenas, there are events. I think um, uh, I think in Mercedes Benz Stadium in Madison Square Garden, they they've attracted you know thousands of people. 
um, who go to watch other people play video games. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, to, to us aging boomers, we cannot <laughs> comprehend that. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Jeff, which which areas then? You know, you talk about different niche markets, and you're looking to explore and venture into new ventures. Which areas do you feel are kind of saturated, and which ones do you feel are really primed or poised for a new generation or a new category? of media exploration. I don't think he's going to tell you that. I know, because we're going to go after the first. He might answer the first part of that. I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. Everything's oversaturated. I mean, I have to tell you, we spent, we have a team that looked at, uh, at eSports, and and you see, again, guys like me, and I said, I got to have younger guys tear this apart, because I don't get the concept that 25,000 people will go to an arena to watch, you know, 10 kids play video games. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fortnite is a, is a business which is, has, you know, generating hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Um, it, it, it's hard to know. It's, it, it's certainly, it's the wild west. Hmm. Some people are going to make a zillion dollars on video games and all sorts of gaming. The, the people tell me that the next great athletes will be video gamers. Hmm. Uh, and there are already several of them. I think there's a guy named Ninja or something that makes probably three, four dollars a year as a video gamer. Um, so that's clearly coming. How big it gets, I don't know. There's an awful lot of hype. Um, I think that the next big issue for sports is going to be uh, cord cutting. One of my, I'm a, I've been a trustee at USC forever, and one of the things they asked me to do was evaluate the Pac-12 network. Um, and the question is, you know. For example, Nesson's a good example. Um, you know, Nesson has uh, universal distribution not only through Boston and Massachusetts, but most of New England. Now, if you're a cable subscriber and you're paying $120 a month and, and you don't know the Red Sox exist, if you have a chance to cut the cord, you might say, I don't care about the Red Sox or the Bruins or the Celtics. Um, so I'm going to save the money. Um, and and the, the, all of sports has really been built, the economics have been built on universal distribution so that the Red Sox know that they'll get, you know, I don't know, three million homes a, a month, mm -hmm. you know, six, seven dollars a month um, before they sell an ad. If that breaks apart, that changes the economics of the Red Sox or the Bruins, um, you know, or the Celtics. Uh, the NFL is a little different, but it's, you know. The entire business of sports has been built on everybody in America paying for sports content. Um, and if they don't, uh, and if they have a choice, uh, it could change sports. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jeffrey, you are a legendary uh, sports trivia guy. So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, uh, I had lunch yesterday with a former. SC running back from 73. Who was I having lunch with? Wow. You know, this, this is. No, terrible. you should know that, you, Jeffrey, you should know this. <laughs> no, I'm thinking, uh, wait a minute. I'm, I, you know, and, and I, I'm thinking, and, you know, around that era was Ricky Bell, but Ricky Bell passed away. Anthony Davis was in that era. Uh, and I'm trying to think. Um, Maybe so. Oh, Sam Cunningham. That's right. Sam Bam Cunningham. Well, yes. But Roger, I want to ask a question. Why were you having lunch 
with a guy who was a football player from 73. Well, it's be, be, well you know, he graduated college, SC, in 73. Right. He played for the Patriots. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and he was up honoring a, uh, actually, a, a former friend of mine who had passed away, Leon Gray, who oh. was just uh, inducted in the, in the uh, New England Patriots oh. Hall of Fame. Wow. So, uh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. That's great. And you win that prize. <laughs> Roger, tell me what the prize is going to be. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. Go ahead. <laughs> One story I was going to tell you, which really has had a big part in American history about Sam Cunningham, but but I was going to say that in the old days, I would remember every every SC team, you know, and, and now I had to go back and think, 73, wait a minute, I graduated law school, 72, who came after that? But, but Sam Cunningham, I'm sure you probably do know this story, Sam Cunningham played in the, in the first game in, in Alabama, in Birmingham. And it was the first time that a northern team had come down there. And I don't know if you've read the story, but it's really a great part of American history. No, um, please tell it. Yeah. Please. John McKay, who was our coach, was best friends with Bear Bryant. And Bear Bryant basically had decided that he was going to have McKay come down with what he thought were McKay's superior athletes uh, and come to Birmingham and that they would that would show people that it was time. Um, and SC came down, they won 42 to 21. I think Sam Cunningham scored two touchdowns. And there have been documentaries on it that that game did more to integrate the South than any single event. Uh, and that mm. Bear Bryant basically, you know, and Bear Bryant had the ability to say to the George Walls of the world, I don't care what you think, we got to win football games. And so Bear Bryant, with that event, really integrated Alabama, and there have been several documentaries and some books written about it, but that event, really dominated by Sam Cunningham, changed the face of, uh, of civil rights in the South. Uh, that's, a great, that's a great story. I, did, I was not wow. aware of that. He did, you know, Sam did talk a little bit about, um, you know, sort of Alabama and, and Eastern Tennessee in terms of uh, John Hanna and Leon Gray playing at that time, and he took it for granted. Integration on the West Coast, he took for granted. But uh, he said a lot of the guys that uh, he was playing with didn't, and it was really a learning process. Hey, Jeff, let me ask a question. Um, as far as some of you know, it's interesting. In, in some industries, for example, like in the golf industry, people love to buy a golf club because it's pretty cool. And they can tell their friends, I own a golf club. And it's a hobby. It's not a business. They don't run it like a business. And today, the golf industry, you know, you can pick up golf clubs for, you know, 20 cents on the, on the dollar. And some people want to own a baseball team or this and that, you know, their passion. I'd be curious, to our listeners out there who are budding entrepreneurs, what advice would you give them, those who are looking to acquire a radio station and or they want to get into the media world? What advice would you share with them? Well, you know, I'd laugh about baseball. Uh, we got into it because of our theory about regionalization of broadcasting, and 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 we we I never bought a business I didn't think we could make better. Uh, you know, we always we, people said, "Oh, you love baseball?" Yes, I love a lot of things, but if you don't think you can make it a business, you don't do it. Um, I would say that the best way to get into sports today um, is make two billion dollars doing something because um, the the values have gotten a little crazy. Um, but I think, you know, I think, listen, learn everything you can about anything you want to buy. Um, the most important thing is understanding it. We have a saying here that we're going to go into some new areas and hopefully we're smart enough to know what we don't know. Um, and when we, we've, in, in our history, we've done radio, 
We've done television. We've done international radio. We've done baseball. We've done dynamic pricing. We've done magazines. We've done research, had a research group. And we've always been able to attract people who filled in gaps that we didn't have. And I think in spite of the challenges we had in Seattle, I think the best marketing we'll ever do um, it was in Seattle. Um, my best friend, I named president of the team. And when we sold it, he said, could we have done anything differently? I said, no, buying a baseball team in Seattle in this time, uh, the math was impossible. But, uh, but I think the management was probably this mo- something I was as proud of as anything we've ever done. Josh Smullen, thank you very much for joining us today on uh, Name Brands. We really enjoyed the conversation. It was fun. Remember to subscribe to Name Brands on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Name Brands Pod on Twitter or on Facebook on Name Brands Podcast. Oh, and before I forget, Larry, we haven't been doing this, but I, once again, we have to thank uh, Joseph of Blue for uh, uh, providing the wardrobe. Yes, we do. <laughs> That's it for now, and uh, we'll be back talking to you with the next book. We look damn good. Thanks, Roger. <laughs>